Good morning, everyone. This little light of mine. All right. That's uh, something we learned in Sunday school when we were young. But today we're going to think about how we apply that as our as we grow up and we become adults. And so that's what we're going to look at today from Philippians two. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, <clears throat> while you're finding that. Um, Philippians 2, Rhonda and I were able to be at the LMC Pastor Retreat uh, Conference or gathering at Minnow Haven Camp this past weekend. We actually got there Friday night and spent all day Saturday, and uh, what a blessing it is to be a part of LMC, to be able to be together with those pastors and spouses, and uh, we just, I think this is like the second or third time since we've joined LMC several years ago, and uh, each time we just have a, a wonderful feeling and it's, it's uh, just wonderful people and wonderful churches. I really wish all of you could get to know them and get to know the people of their churches because I'm sure uh, they are the same as, as the, the pastors and spouses that we know. Well, before we read this, uh, I want to set the context of this passage a little bit for us. In the first 11 verses here of this second chapter, Paul's talking about many things. He talks about having unity among the believers. He talks about our need to imitate Jesus and the life of Jesus. And he talks about living our lives as Christ lived his life here when he was on earth. In humility, uh, in servanthood, and in love. And in verse 5, before we get to the verses we're reading today, he says, In your relationship with one another, or relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then in these verses that follow, verses 12 through 18, he goes on to tell us what that looks like and how we are to live that out. And Paul writes here that we are to be bright lights in a crooked and perverse world. And, you know, if you watch the news much in the last week or so from the Middle East, you have seen and you know how wicked and perverse this world can be. But we need to realize that that darkness is not only in the Middle East. It can be found in every corner uh, of our world. And so, as Jesus says and, and Paul often says, it is so important that the light of Christ be shown, because that is the answer uh, for all people. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation this morning, and so I'm going to put the words on the screen uh, as I read, if you don't have that translation. Beginning with verse 12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. 
Then on the day of Christ's... Sorry. There you go. Start over there. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. <clears throat> if, uh, if someone would have come up to you this past week and asked you the question, what is your greatest desire in life? What would your answer have been to them? I'll give you a, several seconds to think about that. What is your greatest desire in life? Would it be something about your health? Would it have been something about your family? Or your children that you thought of? Would it have been something about your job, your career, or maybe a vacation, or maybe some entertainment type of desire that, that you have? Or would it be something for the world as a whole that you would desire most? I imagine if we would all share what we were thinking of, there would be some interesting ones out there uh, for sure. But how many of us would have answered with what Paul is encouraging in this second chapter of Philippians. How many of us would say, my desire is to do what pleases Jesus? Now, I know you're probably thinking, that wasn't really fair. <laughs> he set me up for thinking about maybe something else without giving me a, a clue of where he was headed. And you're probably right. It probably wasn't really fair the way I asked it, because I didn't give you any hints. But... And it's okay to desire some of those things that you thought of. But what these verses are encouraging us with is that our first desire should be to please Jesus Christ and to please God in this life. And then those other desires that we maybe thought of or that we have, they can fall into place where they need to be. If they are desires, of course, that are not disobedient to what God's desire would be for you. Well, in verse 12, Paul writes about living a life that shows the results of our salvation in Jesus. He talks about obedience, about reverence, and about being sensitive to the will of God in our lives. In other words, you know, giving up of ourselves and giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the Lord. Reminds me of a story uh, I heard one time about a pastor who, who went out to see and visit uh, a farmer from his congregation. He asked the farmer, he said, if you had a horse, would you give it to the Lord if the Lord asked for it? And the farmer said, well, yes. 
course I would. He said, what if the Lord asked you to give a cow? One of your, uh, a cow. And he said, well, absolutely. How about a goat? He said, sure, sure I would if the Lord asked me. Then the pastor said, well, how about a pig? And the, the farmer said, now, pastor, that's not fair because you know that I have a pig. <laughs> you see, that, that represents our willingness to be all about the desires of God until, until those desires get in the way of our own desires. It's probably no mistake that verse 14, right after that, says, Do everything without complaining and arguing. Because, you know, that's, that's how our flesh works. We, um, we often bring forth complaining if we don't get what we want. And we always have to be aware... That our flesh is going to be like that. Because our flesh is, is longing for pleasure and longing to be in control. Thinking for its, for its own self. And you see, that's what pulls us away from the desires of God so often. Because we let our control issues get in the way of what Christ really desires for us, or maybe what Christ is calling us to, or what Jesus is telling us uh, to do in our life or with our life. In short, we let uh, our things get in the way of God things. And so, you know, when Paul encourages us to hold firmly to the word of life in verse 16, he's giving us guidance there to find the things that people most often are searching for in life. And they aren't what most people think of. I mean, you know, most people would say, oh, a new car or a new boat or a big vacation or a lucky lottery ticket or, or something like that that's going to bring them satisfaction. And we usually give them credit, way more credit than what we, we should because, you know, once we have those, a month or two passes and the newness wears off and we start thinking about what else we want or what else we need that someone else has. And that's where envy starts to set in. We, you know, we have these cherry blossom dreams sometimes of this, uh, a different job that we think we want or a different situation. If I was just in a different situation. Or maybe had a different lot in life. And you know our attitude begins to become critical and demanding. And, and oftentimes it really becomes selfish. I saw something recently that, that said. Criticism is often nothing more than low grade envy. <laughs> And I had to think about that. That's, that's really true, you know. Uh, we should think about that the next time we are quick to criticize someone or to criticize something. And we need to ask ourselves, are we being critical of that because we're envious? Maybe jealous? Perhaps that's why Paul sets all of this up earlier in this chapter by saying... 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, he says, in humility, value others above yourself. That sounds a lot like God's desire, doesn't it? Looks a lot like the life of Christ that Paul so wonderfully described in those verses uh, before these. The heading in my New Living Translation for this portion of Scripture says, Shine brightly for Christ. There are a lot of ways we could say that when it comes to you know, living with a desire to please God instead of, of ourselves. But the best way, really, is to allow our life to proclaim it. Jesus said it in Matthew 5. He said, let your light shine before others so that they can see your good deeds. And they then can glorify your Father in heaven for them. That's actually one of the verses that is on the t-shirts that we are ordering right now for our church. They say, light up the darkness. In John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And so we as, as followers of Jesus are to shine and share the light of Christ in a world that is dark and filled with sin and despair. That video before the message, it challenged us to uh, inspire people with the light of Jesus. It said that we are to reach the lost with the light of Jesus, to change lives with that light, and to love others because of the light of Jesus. And, you know, words are great when it comes to sharing our faith. I think it's important that we share our words. But, but often, the way that, that we live speaks even louder than our words. And people are very observant. I'm sure you've noticed. They can often look at your life and my life. And they can know if we follow Jesus or not. You've probably had that experience like I have, you know, where you you just get that sense that this person you're talking to, you don't know them very well, but you just get that sense that they are a Christian, that they are a, a follower of Jesus, just by the way that they're living, maybe by how they respond to things or or what they are the way they are talking. Even if you don't really know them that well. A lot of times you can tell. And I think the opposite of that is true as well. You know, I've experienced that as well. There have been times where uh, I knew someone professed to be a follower of Jesus. And yet I was disturbed by what I was seeing or what I was hearing from them. Some years ago uh, in the old sailing days... Uh, they had a specific color that each ship would put on their mast. And uh, when, they, when the person in the crow's nest saw an enemy ship coming, they would often have that color lowered so that the, the enemy 
could not spot the color and, you know, want to blow their ship up or attack them. But when a ship nailed their flag or color to the mast and they couldn't take it up or put it down, they were in effect saying, come what may, this is who I am, this is who we are, and this is our commitment. This is what we're standing by. In other words, you know, there's no cover up or change just to avoid a dangerous situation. Christians in America are becoming faced with that dilemma more and more each and every day. Some of the desires of our culture are conflicting with the desires of God. Some of the desires of government are conflicting with the desires of God. And even more concerning is that some of the desires in our churches and families are conflicting with the desires of God. I've just started reading a book uh, by Brett McCracken that's entitled The Wisdom Pyramid. And he talks about the the food pyramid that was introduced back in uh, 1992 by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And it was, you know, they put it out to help people realize the folly there was in, like, only eating French fries and drinking soda and eating candy and, and stuff like that. And in contrast, the wisdom that there was in eating grains and fruits and Vegetables and things like that. And so he compares that food pyramid with what he calls a spiritual wisdom pyramid. And he writes this. He says, we need something similar to the food pyramid for our habits of information intake. We need guidance for how to daily navigate the glut of information available to us. An ordering framework for navigating the noise and the mess of our cultural moment. What I hear him asking is, do we pay as close attention to our spiritual diet and our information diet as we do our food and nutrition diet? But what does it mean to light up the darkness? And how do we change our desires to be more like Christ? I think first and foremost, we need to rely on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us. You know, we're told many times in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is our guide, our counselor, and our our source of truth. And so if we desire to be more like Christ, the Holy Spirit will lead us down that path and show us what is of Christ and what is not of Christ. Next, we need to uh, rely on each other for support and for counsel. We need each other in the church as believers for sharing wisdom and encouragement And and trying to live out the light of Christ while we are living in a dark world. Third, we need to be obedient 
to God's Word and follow what it says. You know, not just read it and, and hear it as a suggestion, but instead read it and hear it as a handbook uh, for life. And finally, we need to show the kind of sacrificial love and servant's attitude that Jesus showed when he knelt down to wash his disciples' feet. And, you know, after he had done that, he said, I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. And so, you know, through, through sacrificial love for others, we definitely can light up the darkness. And so going back to that first question, what is our greatest desire in life? And does it, does it line up with God's greatest desire for our life? Ultimately, these are God's desire and desires for us. This is what pleases God. This is what the wisdom pyramid looks like for us. When we live our lives and give examples of what Jesus can do in in someone else's life. There's wisdom from the Holy Spirit. There is encouragement from each other as believers. There is obedience to God's word, and then there is the living out of that sacrificial love for others in the name of Christ. That's how we can shine as bright light in a crooked and perverse world. Verse 12 in the NIV here says, uh, continue to work out your salvation. And... You know, I wanted to touch on that a little bit because that does not mean that we work for our salvation. Because we know that salvation is free because of what Jesus has done for us. What that does mean, though, it means that we are to apply it and that we are to live it out. And the NLT, New Living Translation, translates that verse to say... Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And of course, fear there means respect for God. Respect for God's will and God's desire. Reverence and respect for the Lord. So we need to nail our color to the mast. We need to stand firm in the ways of God, but we need to be sure to love in the ways of Jesus, in the way that Jesus loves others. And another thing we need to remember is that that love of Jesus is not withheld from someone that is living in sin. I mean, Jesus loved them, hoping to build a relationship with them in order to Help them leave that life of sin. And so often, you know, we, we tend to, to just judge and move on instead of trying to build a relationship with that person and lead them to the light or help them understand the difference that Jesus can make in their lives if they leave that darkness 
and choose to walk in His light. In John 15, Jesus says, Love each other as I have loved you. And then a few verses later, He said, You are my friends if you do what I command. And so see, there, there's that desire again showing up. A desire to please God even if our own fleshly desires try to lead us down a, a different path. And so often, you know, it is so easy to give in to, to that fleshly desire and that temptation to, to point fingers at other failures or somebody else's shortcomings. It's often hard to extend grace to them and love them back to where they need to be. But we must do it because it's what God and Jesus desires for us. It's what Christ does. And so it's, it must be what we do. In 1 John, 5, uh, 1 John 5, it says that when we keep God's commands and God's desires... That shows our love for God, for the Lord. So, you know, the opposite of that would hold true as well, right? I mean, when we ignore God, when we ignore God's desires and God's ways, then we are refusing to love and follow God. This whole uh, life focus of cultivating a desire to please God instead of ourselves is only accomplished in one way. And verse 13 tells us how. It says, When God is working in you, He will give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. You know, how do we allow God to work in us? It's... By having the same mindset, the same attitude, the same life goals that are shown to us in the life of Jesus Christ. And it goes back to being a servant, practicing humility, and being obedient to God's desire. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. You know, his desire was to please the Father. And that was an extension of his desire to save all of us from sin. Which is why he went to the cross. And so, so here, here's the question. How can we do any less than to give our all in order to please God And live for him. I mean in these verses Paul even talks about. Himself being willing to pour out his life. Give up his life as a drink offering. A liquid offering to God. And that's what these verses are encouraging us to do. You know think about our life. Think about our choices. Think about our relationships. Maybe think about our schedules. Think about our attitudes and think about whose desires we are most consumed by. Is it, is it ours 
Or is it God's desire for us? I'll end with uh, verses 14 and 15 again. Let's stand and let's say this. Let's say these verses together as we end this morning. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. Join me. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we know that you, yourself, and your own words have said you are the light of the world. We also know that in your own words you have said that we are the light of the world. That communicates to us and tells us of who we need to be, what we need to be as we live in this world. So Lord, I I pray that uh, we would realize while we are out there in the world, which can sometimes, many times, show its dark side. I pray that we would realize that that we have the light that many people need to get out of that darkness. And sometimes we think of light and dark in a physical sense, but Lord, we know that you are speaking to us in a spiritual sense. People living in a dark spiritual place And they need the light of Jesus to just shine in their life. They need the grace of Jesus to to be known to them. They need to receive that and and just start to walk in the the light of Christ that can be their guide and and light their way. Lord, I pray that, that all of us, as much as we know these verses, as much as we know this truth, I pray that we would be reminded of it in our own lives. As we face the dark corners of this world sometimes, as we come across some crooked, perverse, and evil things and people, I pray that you would just help us to remember what you've called us to be. Help us to desire what you desire in our lives. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us uh, to have a desire to live as Jesus has taught, taught us to live and be the light in this world. Lord, I pray your blessing on each one as we go forth from here today. Uh, pray your blessing on each family, each one watching online. Just pray that you would go with us and may the indwelling of your Holy Spirit be our support and guide as we, we head out into a dark world with your light. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Have a great week, everyone. God bless.